Yes, bud, Traveller Ben. Hello to you again. Hi, Julia. And Top of the morning. Very excited because we're going somewhere you've been today, not somewhere I've been. So I'm hoping that you're absolutely going to convince me to get there very, very soon. Off you go, Ben. Island. Yes, we're off to the Emerald Isle, a place I visited a couple of times, but I don't feel like I've seen anywhere near enough of it, even though it's pretty compact and small. And um, so I can't wait to learn a bit more about this amazing country and the food and wine scene and the things we should see and do. So we're having marvellous guests and I bet it's going to be another wonderful episode of Armchair Travelling for us. Absolutely, and a place with incredible history and heritage and all kinds of amazing folklore and traditions. Now, you're reasonably well-travelled there, is that correct? Yeah, look, I've visited a couple of times. They've both been sort of whistle-stop visits, but, yeah, I've spent some time in Dublin and um, and visited. I went to a wedding right on the border between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland, and that wow. was brilliant. That was magnificent couple of days, really, really fun. Now, for someone who hasn't been there... Off you go. What's well, it like? I would ask you. What do you imagine when you think of when some when you know when you're thinking about Ireland? There's got to be something swirling around in your head. Um, I think that it's not so big. Probably easy to to get around, particularly by road. And mm-hmm. I can imagine it is very green, mm-hmm. beautifully hilly, amazingly rural, with a lot of warmth and coziness, and fabulous people with that Irish accent that mm-hmm. would just you know seduce you at every turn. And of course. Irish stew, <laughs> finishing up with a little Irish coffee. Something by a fire, perhaps? Absolutely. Yeah. Am I right? You've, you've nailed it, actually. Yeah, it's a really, really gorgeous country. And I imagine if there's a list of friendliest countries in the world, then Ireland's going to be right up near the top of it. Amazing people, very, very friendly and engaging. And, um, you know, we have got a, quite a deep connection, I think, as Australians with the Irish and very kind of similar sense of humour. And um, we get on famously. Now, there's a few interesting things about Ireland. Hmm. First off, let's go back to the Irish stew. <laughs> it's got fairly basic um, ingredients, yeah. but is hearty and fantastic. What do you know about it? And please tell me you had it when you were there. Yeah, I, I, I would have had a couple of stews, maybe even sort of a cottagey pie, shepherd's pie, that kind of thing. So effectively the stew with a beautiful potato kind of crust or crumb, yep. that kind of thing on top. Um, and to me, it's sort of whatever's available. So a beautiful meat or, you know, a cut of meat that's going to cook really slowly and, and kind of fall apart and melt and be delicious with those kind of, I guess, iconic um, Irish root vegetables, potatoes, carrots, all those kind of things that give it lovely aromatics and maybe a dash of Guinness in there just to really, you know, oh. give it a give it some body. You know? Which then reminds me to ask you, do you remember Ireland or did you um, – <laughs> have enough whiskey and Guinness well, that perhaps it became it. a beautiful dream. No, well, it's kind of dreamy. Yeah, it's a dreamy yeah. place. Uh, there certainly was probably more more Guinnesses than I would have uh, typically have anywhere else and um, and lovely whiskies and, you know, nice warming drinks at the end of an evening by a fire or in a, in a cosy pub. So two things then, the pub yeah. scene and yeah. – did you choose your whiskey so you could try as many as you could or did you just go for the best and the same with the Guinness? Tell us about that. Oh, so the Guinness is amazing and it's it's one of those drinks that is actually different in the, you know, in its home, in its in its location where it's from, in its birthplace. So what to, What's the taste of it oh, over you know, there? It's sort of creamy and and bitter and all those things together. For me, it's more a visual thing. I just stare at those bubbles cascading down in the glass and, you know, I just kind of drift off into some kind of dreamy Guinness scape as that's happening. And then, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, and then, you know, the re- then it becomes just part of what's going on around you. And, and, and spending time in an Irish pub is just classic, you know, super, super fun. 
And, and lots of them. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. I, you know, I would call it a, a, a land of an unbelievable amount of pubs. That's how I would describe Ireland. And so what do you think happens to those Irish pubs on St. Patrick's Day? Well, it probably gets a bit rowdy, you know. So they love a celebration, the Irish, and um, I certainly saw that firsthand at the wedding I went to, that really, you know, lots and lots of singing and, you know, arm-in-arm arm kind of dancing and it was really rowdy and raucous and and hilarious. And, you know, if, if you have these experiences with people and you feel really connected to them, that's probably the Guinness and the whiskey kind of, you know, connecting you, but um, really, really friendly people. We actually – so I was there for a wedding and – uh, we were meant to be um, attending to some official wedding business in the morning, the groom and, and myself, who's a mate of mine. And um, Did the whiskey get in the way? Well, not, not so much the whiskey, but we just, we, we, I think we, we got the business of the wedding over and done with pretty quickly in the morning. I think we were just getting fitted, you know, uh, trousers or jackets fitted or something. And we had a little bit of time up our sleeve. So we just nipped into a, a pub, a local <laughs> pub, and I think maybe – two or three pints later, we <gasps> headed back to the house and we got this, they knew, they knew exactly where we'd been, how many pints we'd had, how how long we'd been in the pub, that little Irish small town um, grapevine that the um, word got out very quickly where we'd been, what we'd been up to. So did, like, you can't get away with anything. And did you lose the ring? I pretended to, yeah. That was that was yeah, a bit, bit of whimsy. Part of good bit of Irish humour. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing about Ireland and drinking and Guinness and whiskey, et cetera, is Pochine is the um, anglicised pronunciation yeah, right. of their fermented drink pretty much made out of potatoes. Do you know anything about I, that and did you try it? No, I didn't try it. I, but, you know, I guess what I know about it, it's a bit, I guess, a kind of a local – I mean, most, most – cultures will have a similar drink, a kind of... Grappa for the Italians. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, almost a moonshiny kind of yes. thing, I, I would say. So it's local and uh, they've they've worked out how to ferment something and um, turn it into good times. So it's not what they offer you for breakfast like they do the grappa when you go to Italy. So by lunchtime, you don't even remember your name, where you're going, where your passport was left. It probably is. I, was, I just, you know, it wasn't offered to me. stuck to it. Yeah. There's a couple of other things about... Um, Island that we should, you can tell me, not mm. having been there because mm-hmm. you are a, a, tempting me to go. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's shamrocks that come from Ireland <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and the Blarney Stone. Yeah. Visiting the Blarney Stone and kissing it, it's obviously, you know, one of those, um, you know, that's probably a bucket listy thing for a lot of people and quite a fun thing to do for many visitors to Ireland. But apparently, if you kiss the Blarney Stone, yeah. you get the gift of the gab. You had to kiss it backwards, the reason being because way back then it was under the battlements. Uh, of the castle called the Castle of Blarney in Blarney, just to make it difficult to remember. Yeah, right. Um, but that you bend over, kiss it, and <laughs> off you go, and you are just the greatest conversationalist. Don't you think on it's hilarious planet. that it's like it's not good luck or some other thing? It's literally it turns you into a chatterbox, which is you know I would imagine a very Irish trait, frankly. Uh, but a good one too. Yeah. And of course, we have to thank Ireland for the fairies. The F A E <laughs> meaning that they, which was how it was originally spelled, being that they were sort of. Sears, they knew a lot and it's just developed from there. And, of course, who doesn't love a fairy? And what would our children be without fairies in their lives? How much money would we have saved as parents? Without the tooth fairy. Without the tooth fairy, thousands. Yeah, But, I mean, it's a place of incredible folklore, right? So all of that stuff that you're talking about right through to contemporary Irish poets and Yeats and Seamus Heaney um, and James Joyce, of course. So they're great storytellers and that comes out sort of in every – you know, interaction that you have with a local person. And um, I, I, a few years ago, you know, because I work in the travel industry, I saw this one little 
tour in a brochure and it was one of those shut up and take my money moments and it was it was in a brochure that was full of you know very expensive tours and trips and guided adventures and it was literally a two-hour literary pub crawl in Dublin and it was like oh. 30 bucks or something and I'm just like let's go Here's, where's my passport we're off so you know can you imagine an experience like that so wandering from pub to pub to pub through Temple Bar in Dublin with a expert guide talking you through the great moments in Irish literature a little bit more about the pub scenes, please, because it's famous. Yeah, so Irish pubs are famous for a good reason and um, not just for the kind of warmth of the hospitality and the, you know, the, the kind of iconic drinks, the quintessential experiences of having a, a lovely whiskey or a, or a Guinness, that kind of thing. But, you know, walk through, say, Temple Bar in Dublin, which is a kind of a part of the city with a you know, huge amount of pubs and restaurants and it's a real, really kind of uh, an area where people go out. And those pubs will be raucous, rowdy, loud, amazing sort of live music scene. And, and thing I love about it is it's a lot of traditional music. So a lot of those kind of traditional songs and, you know, the those folkloric kind of songs come through as well. So uh, pretty hard not to have a good time in in, um, in, a, in an Irish pub. You know, I was in Paris once with the family not so long ago and it was our last night together and we were all going separate ways the next day. And we were wandering around trying to find um, somewhere to go to have a drink so that we could farewell each other. Mm -hmm. The only place we could find open was an Irish pub. And it was warm and fantastic and there was a piano and there was a guy who came in and played the piano. Then someone else started to sing and we didn't leave till 4am. It I'm was fa- and so our lasting memories of Paris are Irish. That's so funny. Yes. Very good. Now also, it's not a bad place as a golf destination. I have a friend who's going there shortly. Yeah. Um, and apparently, there's a lot of fantastic golfing that goes on there. Well, and of course, they'd have great courses because they have beautiful courses, amazing yes. countryside, and a lot of links courses. I would yes. imagine so a lot of seaside kind of courses in that yes. neck of the woods. And um, yeah, what a way to um spend a couple of weeks driving around Ireland with your golf clubs rattling around in the back of the car and you know, hitting the odd, having the odd round of golf somewhere beautiful. And chatting fantastically because you not long ago kissed the Blarney Stone. Yeah. So we touched on folklore in Ireland and, and, you know, which, which gives us a bit of a sense of the age of the place. Um, and there are a couple of ways you can really kind of connect with that in Ireland. Um, and if you've ever been to you know, Stonehenge or uh, yes, similar amazing, places. In the, amazing. And you know, those, the, when you gaze across the landscape and you see these very little, um, there are mounds everywhere that obviously been, uh, were, were built by ancient people. So there's a particularly impressive one in Ireland called Newgrange. And it's a, um, ancient Stone Age, uh, mound with passages and, um, spaces within it um, and very, very ancient carvings. So it's this amazing... So how old, Ben? Look, it's older than the pyramids. So it's oh something like uh, 5,000 years old, so 3,000 BC. Um, wow. A, a civilization there created this mound um, for ceremonial purposes. And thing that really kind of blew my mind is that there's, there's a main uh, corridor, a passage through it, and every winter solstice, the sun rises and shines through a tiny little slot, illuminating the main um, uh, space inside it. <laughs> so, I mean, they're really sophisticated, clever people, right? What did they know, people, right? these people that we don't know as much of now? Yeah, and what did they think was going on? 
you know, when, they, when they're looking at the sun and working out when it would rise and when it would set and what time of year it would do particular things and, and what that meant to, I guess, harvests and agriculture and those kind of things. So do we know why, they, why it needed to be illuminated to that extent at winter solstice time? No, it would have been a ceremonial thing, some kind of connection with whatever's going, out, going on out in the, I guess, out in the broader universe, yeah. Another must-do yeah. in Ireland. Yeah, and e- easy to do and absolutely fascinating, really recommended. Extraordinary. Another, tell you another thing that you really must see if you're in Dublin. It's actually there's, well, in Ireland, there's a couple. One is the Book of Kells. So the Book yes. of Kells, so we're talking about, you know, storytelling and, and, um, and folklore and that kind of thing. But the Book of Kells is a very, very ancient book. I believe it was put together in about 800 AD and it's um, got uh, gospels from the Bible and it's got beautiful, beautiful manuscript and gold leaf through it. And it just sits in the almost more incredible library at the Trinity College in Dublin. So it's in this remarkable wooden space, timber you know, timber hall with floor to ceiling, wall to wall books. And then it's in this little glass case. It's one of those moments you kind of look at something and go, that's really important, that book. So for people listening to us right now, what would the three top things you think you should leave in their minds about Ireland? Mine too. It's that, I think it's that beautiful combination of awesome people, massive generalisation alert, but yeah, wonderful, wonderful people, um, great um, environment to interact with those people. So I think you can, you can go to some places where you, it's really hard to actually meet a local person and, and interact with them. Not a problem in Ireland. An incredible place for sort of a self-drive holiday. So, or, or a small group, you know, you might be in a little uh, small group tour or something to, you know, explore this amazing country and get around and eat good things and, and just kind of take your time and almost almost do nothing, you know, just explore it, just immerse yourself in it. And, and specific uh, tours, you know, I was also talking to another a, a lady recently who took a tour of 12 people on just a yarn trip uh, and, and not as in telling good uh-huh. stories like the Blarney Stone, yeah. but yarn, wools, etc. Um, in Ireland and she said it was the most beautiful thing imaginable. Wow. So there's, there's, there's two specialised trips actually to go to Ireland for. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think you can get as niche as you like with um, touring these days, you know, almost any But it sounds like a interest. particularly good country. Oh, magnificent. And small, yes. compact, easy to get around, great for a self-drive. And, um, yeah, piece of cake, go and explore. Uh, is this another place we're going to together, Ben? Yeah, I can't wait. No, me neither. Sophia, Hello. And Hello. welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you here talking about Ireland. Can you tell us a little about yourself? Because it's not quite a full-on Irish accent that we'll be listening to. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, and no, um, I am. You can probably hear a little bit of Scandinavian in in my accent. So I'm from Sweden uh, originally, um, but I lived in Ireland for eight years. Uh, moved there back in 2001 and um, I've also been working for Tourism Ireland for the last 10 years. But now that you work out of Australia, it adds another dimension uh, to what you're doing. But tell us a little bit about Ireland, you know, just what we should begin to hear. Yeah, so um, so as I said, I, I'm uh, with Tourism Ireland here and we, uh, we actually look after... Um, the promotion of the island of Ireland as a destination here and promoting that to uh, to the Australians and the New Zealanders as well. So when when um, Australians and New Zealanders are contacting your office and they're planning a trip, what kind of things are they 
typically asking? What do they want to know? The Australians love to get off the beaten track. Mm-hmm. Uh, they experience a real unique Ireland. It's not just about the cities. The cities are amazing. Uh, everyone knows Dublin, of course. There's so mm-hmm. much to see and do. Getting out there off the beaten track, be it on a tour uh, with a tour group or uh, driving uh, your, yourselves, that's something that they love. Uh, the history and culture is also something that resonates really, really strongly. Um, the food is a, st- is a really big thing here as well. That's something that we focus on. So, so what, it's funny, we, we were talking about this before, but when we think about Irish food, only a couple of things kind of spring to mind. You know, I think we were thinking lovely stews, stews and yeah. things like that. How would you describe Irish cuisine? It, you know, there is that traditional Irish cuisine available and that's something that uh, we we are very proud to promote, um, but I think it's very much about the modern cooking, um, but using uh, those traditional flavors. So the climate and the sort of the landscape that you have there, the rolling green hills, mm. the you know the the waterways, and also the the coast and the the Atlantic gives you that quality uh, produce. So you have excellent beef. Artisan cheese, uh, amazing uh, butter as well, uh, and also that you know freshly caught off the the boat seafood. So amazing salmon um, and uh, yeah, lots of shellfish and yeah. those kind of things. Yeah, as well. uh, so we have uh, mussels, uh, mm. of course, and also um, oysters. It's really big. So wow, oh. oysters oh. in Dublin. Yes. Yeah. In fact, can you tell us a little bit about Dublin? Take us on a tour around Dublin. Yeah, for someone who also lived in Dublin for eight years, uh, it's close to my heart, but it is uh, obviously a, a well-known destination, but also uh, it is a UNESCO city of literature. Uh, so there's obviously a lot of history and culture to to soak up. I suppose the, the must-see attractions are the likes of the Book of Kells mm-hmm. in the Trinity uh, and the Long Room Library. It's beautiful. It is amazing, isn't it? Beautiful, mm. beautiful uh, library, um, but also other quirkier museums, I would recommend the Little Museum of Dublin. It's a story of the 20th century and it's actually um, all the artifacts are donated by the Dubliners themselves. So it's a very quirky museum in a in a townhouse, very central in the city. <laughs> the other thing which is very topical at the moment is actually uh, Epic Ireland, which is Ireland's immigration museum. And it was just uh, named as uh, Europe's leading tourist attraction at the World Travel Awards. Wow. And it's the story of the Irish, Irish leaving the country. Yes. and yeah. exactly. So okay. uh, the story of the 10 million Irish people who travel ar- abroad to start a new life and the impact that they had on the world. So very, very relevant. Well, they certainly had big impact in the United States and Australia. And here. Yeah. In terms of if you were trying to, to, to explain to somebody who knew nothing about the country, where should they go? What about County Cork or Belfast or Galway. other other gorgeous places? Mm. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there is so much to see and do. And uh, the great thing uh, is that it's so easy to get around. It isn't a, a huge island compared to, say, Australia. Uh, so you can really get out there. In the southwest, around the Cork uh, region, there you have amazing food. It's a real food uh, food area. Galway, there's a lot of culture and music that area as well. But in Northern Ireland, Belfast, it is a unique place as well. It has uh, attractions such as Titanic Belfast, which was also uh, named the world's leading tourist attraction in 2016. It tells the story of the shipbuilding industry in in Belfast the process uh, of the the building of Titanic there and also 
um, then exploring uh, in nine galleries there the story of the people on the ship as well and yeah. all the way through to the, the fate, fateful yeah and all the way through to the fateful uh, the journey yeah. um, at the end so it's very well made it's a state-of-the-art exhibition um, it's been awarded as I said and it's one of Ireland's main uh, visitor attractions now so it's a must-see if you go to Northern Ireland and uh, Belfast as well and more Australians visiting the north? Because the Australians stay for quite a, a long duration in Ireland, uh, they tend to include Northern Ireland as well. So, you know, they go all around the island and they cover off the beaten track locations as well, like the northwest, Donegal, this beautiful uh, cliffs there. Um, you can travel along the Wild Atlantic Way, which is kind of the, the touring route covering the, the west of Ireland. Um, and then you can continue then on to Northern Ireland's uh, coastal route, the Causeway Coastal Route, which has uh, been described as one of the most beautiful uh, coastal routes in the world as well. You're doing what I was going to ask you to do, which was what if you were eight days in Ireland, where should you absolutely go? And should you go by road, by rail, by coach tour? Where would you start? If you were just if you just had eight days, often from this market you arrive into Dublin yep. uh, with one of the airlines flying in. Uh, you could start exploring the, the ancient East region, yes. which is outside of Dublin, and covering that whole eastern uh, part. Uh, so there's a lot of history and culture there, um, and then I would work my way around. You know, you can travel yeah, down south or north. Yeah, it depends uh, what you're <coughs> looking for, but. You know, you could uh, travel uh, down to to Cork and cover cover the Wild Atlantic Way from there. Uh, you could travel up to Belfast as well. There's also in Northern Ireland uh, the Game of Thrones connection. Oh. Ah, so Tell us everyone about will go crazy. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of amazing locations up in Northern Ireland to ha- have in the backdrop to the famous right. HBO series. So uh, you can really go and experience this for yourself. Uh, it's very popular. It is something that is quite unique for Northern Ireland. Now, those Game of Thrones people, were they always rugged up because it was so absolutely freezing where they were? And if so... Do you mean the characters in the show? Yeah, weren't they always rugged up? And, weren't <laughs> they? Pretty cold. Yeah, pretty cold. Yeah. Yeah, or, or, or was it more a fashion bleak, thing? <laughs> bleak and grey, yeah. wasn't it? So yeah. then what should people wear when they go <laughs> to Ireland? Because what's the climate like? The good thing about Ireland is that it's quite mild all year round. So <laughs> for that reason, it would... It, it, you know, there's always a good time to go in terms of if you want less of the crowds, you know, you can go in the in the shoulder seasons as well. So uh, I would recommend sort of bringing layers, you know, <laughs> and also sunscreen and a rain jacket on the same day. <laughs> there you go. Melbourne. You come from Melbourne. Yes, yeah. I was just say. <laughs> it's quite changeable, but it is quite uh, moist as well. And, you know, you get that. That's where you get that beautiful landscape from mm. as well. Um, so it is quite mild. You can go you know, uh, later in the summer or into autumn and also in spring. And you have some fantastic uh, days as well uh, to experience, not just in the summer months. When the weather does get a bit wild, um, my experience was taking shelter in an Irish pub was an excellent thing to do. So you were hoping for wild. Yeah, yeah, praying for rain, really. (laughs) And um, doing the rain dance every now and then. And um, invariably, though, they were fantastic experiences in those pubs. Is every Irish pub like that? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's something you can really experience uh, in the best way because you have the turf fire and you have the musicians in the corner. Oh. You know, you have your pint of Guinness and maybe 
some seafood as well, and that that's hard to beat, to yeah. be honest. Let's not visit in summer. No, I think it's a yeah, winter destination. It's for me. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. it is. And if we're looking for that um, experience and that vibe in Dublin, a, a, a night out, are we are we just heading directly to Temple Bar, or where where would we go? Is there much more? Uh, yeah, there's so much more to Dublin than Temple Bar, um, and there are unique pubs all around uh, around the city. Uh, you can get some great music at, at the trad music at the Brazen Head or O'Donoghue's. Uh, but you can also get very easily to some of the fishing villages just 15 minutes on the dark train outside of Dublin. And a lot of people don't know that or don't think about Dublin as a sort of seaside. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's, uh, sits between the mountains and the sea. So it's you can get out in the nature as well, but also getting that pub feel. At the same time, so I would encourage so people dash to dash out to a yeah, fishing village and yeah, to Holt, for example. Um, so there's yeah, there's so much I'm much solved. more. To now, it. while we're talking about having a lovely little drink in mm. the Dublin pubs or pubs anywhere, I'm going to talk about the 19th hole in Ireland. Is Ireland specifically famous for that? Well, Ireland is uh, often described as one of the world's leading uh, golf destinations mm. to visit. Uh, I believe there are a bit less than 200 links courses in the world wow. and 50 of those are in Ireland. Wow. There's a lot of uh, co- uh, quality courses on offer. But also, as you mentioned, the 19th hole is also about the experience all around the courses as well. Uh, you got the quality golf, but uh, you can also finish with some music, <laughs> some storytelling in a pub after and where you can swap stories from the day uh, that you had. So uh, it is a unique location for that. There's uh, a lot of sport and in particular some, I guess they're indigenous sports, sports the um, hurling and Gaelic football. Um, are they? Well, that's where Australian rules began, in fact. Yeah, they're very... Gaelic football. Yeah, Isn't that might, the case? Um, there must be some common I think so. ancestry yes, for sure. There was, yeah, yes. It's, it's, its roots were there in Gaelic footy. But I imagine going to one of those games would be quite a uniquely Irish spectacle. Yeah, I think it's among the oldest and fastest field sports on earth, Mm -hmm. uh, hurling and Gaelic football. So it's part of the soul of the Irish. Mm. Um, So you can uh, visit the interactive Interactive Visitor Centre at Crow Park Stadium in Dublin uh, and just well, experience that first Crow Park's time. one of the great stadiums of the world, I think. Oh, I just want one quick last thing to, to ask is, Crazy Old Ireland, is that where Halloween began? We hear that. Can you tell us quickly about what that is? I can indeed. Um, so... Not many people know that, but it is the home ha- home of Halloween, um, and that's something that this year uh, there's a new festival. Um, and just to give you the, the background of the story, so ha- Halloween o- originates in the ancient Irish and Celtic tradition of uh, Samhain. Samhain uh, marks the end of the old Celtic year and the beginning of the new year. So the Celts believed that this was a time of transition uh, when the veil uh, between our world and the, ne- the old world and the next uh, came down. So the spirits of all who, who had died the year before, um, they um, then moved on to the next life. So this is the the evening of that that is celebrated. So there's a new festival uh, called Puka, uh, which is taking place on the 31st of October to the 2nd of November this year. Um, So it will be a celebration of music. Uh, There'll be uh, Irish harvesting-inspired food. There'll be uh, light installations and also a lot of folklore and fun. And it's taking place in uh, Ireland's ancient east, which is steeped in history uh, and folklore as well. So That now, sounds a lot of fun, actually. That... All of Ireland mm. sounds a lot of fun. Sophie, thank you very much enormously for coming. Sorry. We've got something that Sophia has. 
Yeah, this looks amazing. What is this, Sophia? So um, I went to the market yesterday and just picked up some uh, traditional Irish soda breads. So this oh, is wow. just to give you a flavor of that uh, unique Irish tradition that we spoke about earlier. So uh, it should Thank be you. fresh. So enjoy that Thank with some Irish so butter. Much. Green. Yeah. Love Patrick it. ate it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Ah, and now we're going to be drinking in Ireland. What better thing can we think of in that extraordinary country? And we have with us again Paul Diamond from Selector Magazine, which is part of Wine Selectors. Hello to you, Paul. How are you today, Joy? I'm very good and very excited to be travelling around Ireland with you. I'm just going to throw it to you and say, what should we be doing there Mm. other than Guinness? Well, look, I mean, Ireland is very close to my heart. I am half Irish um, on my mother's side, and I was lucky enough um, some time ago before my grandmother passed away to have my mother and her her sister take all of us around Ireland together. And in some places, um, my grandmother hadn't been there for like 40 or 50 years, but she remembered everything. So we got to visit so many cool little nooks and crannies from all the way down south up the west coast. And one of the main things that stuck out with to me um, during that journey was the wonderful um, the, the wonderful sort of festival culture that exists, particularly before winter, um, and they manifest themselves as all of these little oyster festivals that that present themselves up and down the west coast. The probably the most famous is um, the Galway International Oyster Festival. Um, the seafood is immaculate um, and you obviously drink lots and lots of Guinness. So it, when you're there, and aren't you lucky having your, your grandmother do that for you, we should all try and get our relatives to take us back to where we came from um, and do that. But when you're in Ireland, what is the best thing to do? Let's assume we're there on a two-week stay and we're going all around Ireland. Look, the, the cool thing is with that time frame is you, you, can, pretty much, um, you can pretty much drive around the whole of Ireland in that time. So if you're landing um, in Belfast, as most people will do, um, you can basically hire a car and head south. Um, and it'll be some of the prettiest landscape you will ever see in your life. The people are so charming. The accents certainly help. Um, but there's just so much warmth and love that you get from the Irish people. They're so welcoming and funny and open. Um and it's like being home. They're they're very much like Australians that they want you to, they want to share with you their lives. They want to share with you what they do. And food and wine is a big part of that. Um, hire a car, drive around, um, spend you know spend a couple of days in each place if you can. Um, but you can cover so much ground. But you know Ireland's also about whiskey as well. I mean some of the the best distillers ever um, exist there, particularly. Um, you know, uh, up 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 the north. So, then we should be asking, how should we be drinking when we're there? So, do we start our meal with a with a something, a, a good beer or a good stout or a good bin, a Guinness, or and then do we go? Do we ask if there are any Irish wines at all that we should be trying, and then we finish off with a whiskey? Is that how we should be doing it? Sounds all right That's- to me. It sounds like you've just worked it out. I think, <laughs> I think you could definitely do that or you could, you know, there, there are a lot of, um, you know, sort of medium to high-end restaurants that have based a whole menu ar- around whiskies that come from 
different parts that highlight the, the characteristics of each. Um, so, I mean, look, there's so many ways to skin that cat. I mean, generally you're going to find yourself, you know, in a pub at some stage drinking a stout or a Guinness. Um, and then with your meal you can just choose, yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to where you are and, and what's being offered. But um, that sounds like a pretty good way to do it. I think you just nailed it. Um, so for you, with your grandmother and even mm. without your grandmother, what are some of the highlights of Ireland uh, did you experience? Well, that, that Oyster Festival was one. I, I, I was, you know, um, blown away by the, the quality uh, of, of the seafood there. It was absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, because um, we don't think of Ireland as a seafood destination always. Do no, we? we don't. And, and we should, um, particularly when it comes to, you know, uh, not just fish, but, but you know, all, all sorts of crustaceans, oysters, crab, mussels. There's a, there's a really vibrant, um, fantastic seafood trade there, but it's very small. Um, and I, I think that's probably why we don't have that awareness of it. But, you know, when the oysters are in season there, they're absolutely beautiful. Um, forget the notion of Kilpatrick. Forget all that kind of cooked. Oh, of course. Sort of, we do forget oysters, Kilpatrick. Yeah, but let's not do that. I mean, okay. ultimately, Kilpatrick oysters, are you know, that they would flavour them and cook them when the oysters are a few days old and are not fresh. So a fresh oyster by itself is the perfect food. It's got saltiness, it's got protein, it's got all the things that you need and it's the perfect food and it just that's that's how Oysters Kilpatrick came about. When the oysters started to get a bit long in the tooth, they would cook them. Um, you know, imagine putting Worcestershire sauce and bacon on any other seafood and baking it. <laughs> um, it's that's, that's why they do it. Pretty delicious though on Oyster Kilpatrick. I know the fresh ones are better but golly gosh. Mm. It's yeah, I've got friends go. who, who it's it's the only way that they can eat oysters, and that's totally fine. Um, but if you can have a fresh oyster, that's yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing. Now, just just a little bit of 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 um, st- uh, searching into the Irish wine history. I'm not going to let you go on it just yet. Mm. Apparently, there's a rumor that way back the Celtic monks started growing grapes to make wine. In the fifth century, and, and okay. yeah, they started it back then, and it's sort of been going a little bit now. And notion is that the Irish people want to start, uh, want to begin Ireland being a wine growing part of the world. In fact, the European Commission considers Ireland a wine making country. Anything on that? Okay. Yep. Look, you, 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 that's news to me, yep. um, but it's certainly something that I'm going to have to start to to look into. I mean, look, I, I think it kind of makes sense. I mean, as the planet gets warmer, I mean, you've got, for example, if you look at Britain, down the south of Britain, there are some amazing sparkling wines being produced. So whereas sort of 40, 50 years ago, it would have just been way too cold, way too wet. So I, I guess that makes sense that now – that they're starting to gain traction. I didn't know that, it, that the history of that was was so long with the with the Celtic monks, but um, I think it would probably be worth exploring. Um, you've given me a new research project. Good, because you know the monks had to have some wine of sorts for mass, didn't they, Paul? They absolutely. Well, from from my perspective, when I was travelling, the big thing there was mead. So it's a honey based alcohol that was produced 
from honey and distilled, and that's what everybody drank was mead. Um, very sweet, very sugary, but obviously, you know, alcoholic as well. So um, my understanding with with the monks and, you know, using that to, to trade as well as to to drink mead was the thing. Um, but I did not know wine um, had, had such a history. To finish up, Paul, what are we doing? We're starting the meal with the stout or a Guinness. Mm. We're Absolutely. ordering wine. We're going to ask for an Irish wine just in case. Yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, if if they have local wine, I mean, it depends where you are. If you, you know, if you're in a restaurant that 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 has a decent wine list, you would have to hope and assume that that they are wanting to support local producers. Um, if you're in a pub, possibly, possibly not. Um, but certainly ask for. Uh, you know, are there any local wines? Um, can I can I try them? Are they any good? I would. Definitely be doing it. That's one of the first things I would be doing. And mead? Mead's pretty interesting. I the last time I drank mead, I had the worst headache. There's so much sugar um, <laughs> going on that it, it actually can produce quite a um, quite a, a hangover. I didn't drink a lot of it, but it certainly gave me that. I, but it, it does taste beautiful. Anything that's got lots and lots of sugar is always going to be luscious and and fun and delicious, Um, just don't drink too much. And it reminds me of pochine. Is that not the potato-based drink that they have in Ireland? That's one of them. There's quite a few. I know that there's a bunch of producers that make vodka and all sorts of different spirits. But but I think, you know, when it comes to the Irish, it's very much whiskey and and their stouts for sure. And whiskey is what we're finishing our dinner with and whiskey is what we're finishing you with today, Paul Diamond. Thank you very mm. much for taking us around Ireland. You know what? Can you get mead here in Australia? You certainly can. Certainly can. Worth trying. Thank you. And I'll you make take sure. take care. Travel safe. And I'll be wary of that headache. You too. Look forward to speaking to you again <laughs> soon. Thank Bye-bye. you. Gosh, Julia. What an amazing little jaunt around the Emerald Isle. What did you think? Look, you know what? I didn't think of Ireland as a place of seafood, to be Mm. perfectly honest. I'm so excited to be doing what Paul Diamond suggested. It it just feels as warm and wonderful as you imagine it to be. And the very notion of meeting all those people there is very exciting. Uh, uh, Next trip, I say that every time, so do you. But these are places we absolutely will visit and we hope everybody loved it enough to go there if you haven't. Absolutely. Warm and wonderful sounds terrific, Julia. Let's go. Okay. See you next week. Bye.